Hello and welcome to the 10th episode of Rank Up, a fortnightly on-page SEO podcast where we talk about technical SEO, content optimization, search engine news, and much more. I am one of your hosts, Ben Gary, and I am joined once again by my regular co-host, Ed Wilson. Ed, are you uh, enjoying being on the 10th episode of the podcast? You made it to double oh, yeah. figures. It's a, it's a milestone. Um, yeah, it's, I, uh, I think it's going well. I think uh, we've learned a lot. I think we've had a lot of interesting guests. Um, and I think we've got a lot more to come. Uh, I think with this episode, my anxiety might go for the roof because we are discussing site migrations. So, um, yeah, <laughs> excited for it. Well, I think... Awesome. What was that? I think I'm excited for it. I think I might get a lot of PTSD from discussing site migrations as well. (laughs) Certainly a lot of real life experience to draw on with this one. (laughs) Um, And for the second episode in a row, uh, we also have Ian Humphreys joining us, an SEO strategist at Impression. You still doing all right, Ian? Hello, everyone. Thank you. Yeah, I'm good. Thank you for having me again. Hopefully that we will... Uh, get rid of that sort of uh, anxiety <laughs> as we go through. <laughs> I don't think that will ever happen. Are you saying, Ian, that from this episode onwards, we're all just going to sail through perfect site migrations and never have a problem again? <laughs> I'm not, I can't promise, but definitely help. Hopefully, that would be a, a big promise to make. I think. <laughs> um, but yes, as we've alluded to, there uh, being the second episode of the month, this is our topical session. Uh, which I have affectionately named the Knowledge Panel. Uh, And this will be where uh, we make the most of our particular guests' knowledge in SEO and an area of their specialism uh, that they want to talk about. And this month, that means that Ian is going to be talking to us about an area uh, that he has become heavily involved in at Impression, uh, which is, of course, site migrations. Um, So, Ian, we will start with a, a bit of a background to you. I know you briefly introduced yourself in the last episode. Um, but would you just be able to give uh, the the bird's eye view of your kind of career to this point and how you've got to a stage where you're talking on a podcast about site migrations? Yeah, sure. So as Ben has already said, I'm an SEO strategist here at Impression. Um, my main sort of roles within Impression are providing SEO strategies and solutions. I've done this now for over 10 years, over right. four different agencies, so quite a long time. Uh, working not just on site migrations but SEO as a whole. Uh, yeah. Work with like many different clients over the years, like both B two B, B two C, over multiple different industry niches, and also geographically targeted as well. So lo- local, all the way through to international. So I think how I got into site migrations is quite an interesting story. So I've always been really into the kind of like research and development of new and existing services within an agency. Yeah. Um, it actually brings me quite a bit of joy, <laughs> weirdly enough, to make these processes like more efficient uh, and more importantly, more successful in their tasks and goals. Yep. So I actually started really doing this in my previous agency, where kind of like development of content marketing as a service for the company. And since moving to Impression, we noticed that there was an opportunity to improve their site migration service as well. So that's kind of like how I've come into this site migration area. And then over the past, specifically, definitely, <laughs> over these past recent months, I've been involved with a lot of site migration. So <laughs> hopefully a lot of experiences to share with everyone today. It feels like in the last few months, everyone is sort of uh, at the company is sort of cottoned on to the fact that you're the guy we can go to when we have an issue with site migrations. <laughs> yeah, I think it's because <laughs> I like it or not. <laughs> Yeah, I think um, it's quite interesting in the industry at the moment that a lot of people are actually going through site migration. So I think that people, mm. definitely clients have took this kind of like uh, this lockdown period or quiet period to sort of like reinvest in themselves. Um, yeah. A lot of them have been going through this kind of like, or maybe not the whole process or different scales, of course, in terms of site migration. But a lot of people have been really investing in site migrations recently. So yeah, yeah that's really interesting. Yeah, I know. I know. I've been responsible for kind of overseeing my first site migration as the actual lead on an account, which you've given me a hand on as well, Ian. Um, but as you say, I definitely noticed it being a big thing, and it seems like a lot of the newer clients that we have at the moment kind of have plans for a site migration at some point, or are actively coming on to do a site migration project. Yeah, definitely. So I think that brings us quite nicely into the first question uh, you mentioned there, sort of different scales and different things going on. So 
first and foremost, when we when we say site migration, um, what kind of things can that mean in your mind? Because I know it's not all sort of exactly the same thing in every situation. Yeah, so I think it's definitely different on a case by case basis. I mean, it always starts with a client wanting to achieve a certain goal. So uh -huh. whether they might look at their website and think it looks dated, maybe they want to move content around the site to be a better user. Maybe they're even going through like a rebranding exercise, like uh. the company, or they've been acquired by a larger business and need to consolidate all their internet properties. And even more recently as well, um, a lot of people are changing CMSs. Maybe mm -hmm. like the current CMS doesn't actually support their digital activities that they want to do online. Uh, or even so, some of them, especially regarding like Magento as well as a platform recently, is like revoked kind of support for some of their older versions as well. So the people mm -hmm. need to update their kind of like backend to continually get this support. So I think... When we talk about site migrations, there's three typical site migrations a client will eventually move into, whether it be uh -huh. a front-end sort of migration where it's more like content-focused or design-focused. Um, there's also domain. So if people are like changing rebranding, for example, they might want to change to uh, a different .co.uk or other TLD. Um, uh -huh. And then also back-end as well, which we kind of touched upon already. So people like updating CMSs, like maybe moving from like, uh, a heavy developer-focused CMS such as Drupal into a more user-friendly content generation focus such as WordPress. Mm. Um, and again, like speaking from like moving from Magento 1 to Magento 2, etc. So they're typically the reasons behind people wanting to start a site migration and also why. <laughs> yeah. So there, uh, to build on that slightly, uh, I know there's obviously different SEO considerations with each one, but... Are there any of those that you've just talked about there where you see kind of more risk or or kind of more need to get the SEO considerations exactly right? Or is it important for all of them just in different ways? Uh, it's definitely important for every single one in different ways. Um, I, especially if you're moving front-end content around the site and you're not even considering like maybe setting up a redirect, the, mm. you're going to have accessibility issues with the search engine trying to find where this new content is being placed, uh, mm. domains, you got to think about all the link equity that you've built up over the years um, that could potentially be lost if not um, if the process isn't properly in place to sort of uh, mitigate any risk regarding there. Maybe backend. Mm. Backend is kind of an interesting one because if you're not really changing a lot of URLs and such, um, the risks are definitely a lot less. However, backend kind of like would highly depend on like performance sort of issues, right? It would depend on like maybe like page speed and things like that that essentially could negatively impact performance. So each one definitely comes with its own charms and risks, I would say. And there's definitely different yeah. considerations for each. So you would want an SEO uh, input as soon as possible for each of them, really. Yeah, awesome. And so then that, that leads on quite well into um, are there times when you would recommend a site migration? Uh, and on the flip side, are there times when you might advise against it, especially if a, if a client tells you that they're thinking about it? Yeah, I mean, I think if your website is fundamentally affecting how your business can function, so mm. whether it's giving a poor um, sort of like user experience and maybe it's having a negative effect on your sales, you might want to migrate uh, certain content or like, redesign front-end elements to appease that um, maybe like your internal crm or booking system is potentially out of date and now incompatible so you can't really service your customers online i think that that's something that you could definitely should be thinking about maybe migrating mm -hmm. um potentially if your content is either not performing maybe it's against like certain search engine guidelines uh, uh -huh. even like there might be a lot of duplication that you need to like consolidate into one area of the website. Uh, you need to probably start thinking about whether you were, you need to migrate all those leg all that legacy content into one source. So you need to be thinking about considerations there. Uh -huh. uh, and then on a case by case basis, I mean, if your business is in need of like a big rebrand, uh, specifically if you've been acquired by like another business and you're looking to consolidate, you really need to be looking at sort of like areas like branded traffic and such and thinking about whether you should be site migrating so but 
if if that is a need and uh, maybe the brand traffic isn't there, then I would probably recommend consolidating your internet properties into one as well. Uh-huh. On the flip okay. side, on the flip side, when I would might advise against it is a lot of people go for prospects or clients, etc. Typically, start a front end redesign because they think themselves as a stakeholder that they do not like the design of the website without uh-huh. knowing. So, although agencies uh, put process in place to mitigate a lot of risk and traffic loss and uh, revenue loss through a migration, there is still a risk. So, yeah. essentially, you are putting a risk there because of your own personal opinion. I think uh-huh. a lot of uh, clients need to take a step back and actually collect performance and user data before actually making a decision to redesign or migrate content and make a decision based on data rather than opinion. Uh, They're not the ones buying from their own website. Their customers are. And a lot of people get heavily invested emotionally and opinionated in changing the website when they're not they're not the key audience so i think i'd normally advise against that until you've collected enough data mm. to warrant and push for my site migration because of the risk involved so that that might answer the question that comes to mind so i'm going slightly off script with the with this question that just made me think of there uh, kind of a one from my own personal experience um there, there's an account I work on where I work on it with Pete, which listeners to the podcast from episode one will remember Pete from the first episode. And we've had a bit of a back and forth over the last few months over whether we want to recognize um, a new site, what will probably go down based on the categories you've talked about here as, as more of a front end redesign. So uh, looking at kind of a graphical overhaul and potentially cleaning up some of the content and just kind of... Um, cutting out some of the bloat that's emerged over the years um because it's been it's been a site where we've worked on it for a long time uh, both me and pete together we've been the account team for about four years now pretty much since i've been at impression yeah. um and it's it's looking you know the site looks a bit dated we know there's all sorts of wordpress plugins doing all kinds of things to kind of hold it together um the there's just been a lot of content and a lot of different things done over the years but on the flip side performance is still going up every month it's still converting at like record levels and it's never so far has not shown any signs of of that changing but i suppose in the back of our minds we've got we we're going to have to sort of future proof this somehow because you know at some point this website is going to hit a point where it probably just doesn't work anymore but what would your thinking around that that be um, would you kind of wait until there's like a real kind of crying need for a site migration or like a redesign, or would you try and sort of get in, get in ahead of it and do it more proactively? I think with strategies in general, you always want to be proactive. You don't want mm-hmm. to wait um, for an update to happen and then um, you'd be negatively affected by it. You always want to be kind of proactive, right? And stay on top yeah. of But I think you really need to review exactly what is holding the site back and mm-hmm. what and then kind of weigh up the impact versus resource right so these yeah. kind of issues that you may be having how much impact is that actually going to have compared to how much resource we need to spend on redesigning the website yeah um, and then think of it as a short-term and long-term gain as well so although it may not be a good return on investment now is it going to be a good investment and return on investment in the future um, because that's going to be a consideration as well. So it's really going to depend on what's holding it back. Um, to sort of yeah, yeah. I had um, I had another situation. I think it was last year. Now time is is hard to quantify at the moment. I think it was I think it was about maybe a year and a half ago. Um, we had a, a client who came on. He basically started SEO with us to to be helped with a site migration and then hopefully long term. And they changed. They did change the domain. I think they went from .co.uk to .com, if I remember rightly. And other than that, it was um, in fact they changed everything. They changed the front end. They changed the they changed the look of the website. They changed the content structure, and they also changed the CMS. They went to Shopify Plus. I can't remember what they were before, but they did change that too. And essentially, um, SEO wise, the site was okay. It never did that well before. Uh, it didn't lose a great deal of traffic and it just sort of kept chugging along. 
um, and the site mig- but but uh, it caused real issues with their shopping feeds once they migrated the site and there were huge issues with the products and they made a lot of revenue through the through the paid shopping feeds um, and it essentially led to the point where their business was almost on the point of collapse like they, they always just they were losing too much money um, because they just could not get this ad revenue and also I suppose as kind of byproduct it was quite difficult to grow SEO to grow organically because we were still trying to just make sure the migration was kind of doing everything at the basic level and get things right that, you know, had never been addressed on the site before. Um, so in that sense, I saw, uh, I saw firsthand how risky it can be. And that's, I suppose, the kind of short-term risk you're, you're weighing up because if you get to a point where the business isn't sustainable because of a bad migration, then you're screwed. And we, there were massive problems with the developers all the way through this and stuff. It was just a bit of a nightmare from start to finish. Yeah, I completely understand that. It's kind of a question to you then is, did mm. they not test the feed before? Uh, I don't think so. Um, I, I mean, I don't, I'll, I'll admit, I don't have any real knowledge of how it works. I just remember they tried to, uh, you know, when the, when the site was launched, they tried to launch the, the feed with the new URLs and the correct sort of product listings and everything. And I just remember it just didn't work and there were all sorts of issues that took a very long time to unpick. Okay, okay. So, yeah, they're probably, I mean, I'm sure there was a testing, I'm sure there was a testing issue in there somewhere. Um, but yeah, it was just, it was, yeah. It was one of those things where there was just, you could see, you could kind of see why they were doing the redesign, but that short-term aggro was kind of, was was not, was not what the business needed at the time. Put it that way. They were also changing quite a lot, right? You, you mentioned like front end, yeah. back end, and domain all at once. Yeah. That's even more of a risk, especially if things go wrong. Because post launch, when you're monitoring it and um, you're trying to see how performance is going and maybe it's not doing as well, when you review back and try and work out why it's not doing so well, you've changed so much. Um, there's not you can't really narrow it down to one individual thing that you can try mm. because it's been so drastically changed. So with with a project like that, you might want to go for more a staged approach. Yeah, maybe go for um, I mean back end and front end typically would normally be in sync. Uh, yeah. redesigning. However, in terms of like maybe migrating content, uh, you might want to if you change any URL structures, you might want to do that post launch after mm-hmm. you've the structure of the domain and the front uh, end redesign and then further along down the line as a third phase then you might want to revisit the domain as a yeah trying to do all that all at once um it's definitely more prone to risk i would say yeah no matter how much you pump into it (laughs) yeah (laughs) um cool so we had a question from uh charlie in our team another one of our uh, technical seo specialists uh, and he asked about uh, how do you navigate the fact that migrations often come in at wildly different parts of the project? Sometimes it's right at the start. Sometimes it's a week before go live. And I guess he's uh, kind of specifically talking about when we as SEOs get pulled into a project, like a, a new website project, um, because the level of the level of preparation and warning that we get is not always um, not always as much as we would like, maybe. So how do you cope with that, Ian? Yeah, that's something I could resonate with myself, to be honest, uh, working on some projects. But sometimes the actual timelines that you get given are kind of out out of hand, really. Uh, no, out of our out of our hand, really. Yeah, uh, yeah. So essentially, like, if you are in a position where you get delivered side that needs to go live next week, that might be due to both the client pushing for this, uh, maybe like they have a certain product that they're launching and they need the new website to be live to coincide with the actual product product launch um, mm. maybe it's like some support for the cms suddenly going out of date and they've considered seo too late in the project um, yeah. so the best recommendation i can really give for that is keep good communication and education mm-hmm. so site migration has many moving parts different parties involved like client team developer maybe paid specialist like seo teams as such when you brought onto a project and understand the timelines, it's about educating everyone on the process that you need to undertake yep. and how long that may take you so that you understand. So keep 
getting everybody, all the parties together, maybe on a call, uh, discussing through the actual process from the SEO side of things, when you need to be considered along that process, um, and then educating them in terms of like the actual task at hand, um, how long mm-hmm. is it going to take, what the impact it's going to have, and essentially what you can then do is on really short turnarounds, you can really start to think about your prioritization. So if it's a week away, you may not be yeah. able to everything done to do a really good successful launch like a lot of your recommendations you come back and deliver to the developers for example they may not have time to actually go back and fix all that so it's all about prioritization what can be done now what's going to make the biggest impact and what potentially can then be done post-launch and i think you need to kind of structure it you you can try and push back in terms of timeline but uh, if they're very strict and you need to meet them, I think that's the best way of going about it. Yeah. yeah. I think um, I think with the timeline, I think that's the the issue that is well, it's the major issue that I see with site migrations. I think with a with a sensible timeline, with enough time, I think you can you can mitigate a lot of the issues that are at play when migrating the website. And I think that maybe it's the I guess the understanding. Uh, the understanding maybe from a stakeholder level or anyone that's kind of is maybe the lack of knowledge around the importance of a kind of a site migration the impacts that it can have but i think certainly any website that relies on you know 50 to 60 percent of their traffic being organic then it needs to be um you know be tested at each um each test and each i guess potential point and i think I think site migrations can also be kind of an exciting proposition as well, as Ian mentioned, I think with, you know, rebranding and everything like that, but also understanding what the current website is missing. And I think yeah. from an SEO perspective is understanding, actually, if we're going through a whole new, you know, site migration, what what what's something new that we can bring to the table that the current website's missing? So not only kind of, I think when we're looking at migrations, the thing that we look to point is like uh, to focus on is that stability from launch. Where actually, mm. if you're actually introducing a lot of new features, a lot of new content as well, you could potentially have a positive reaction, well, positive impact of the the migration go live. And I think as long as you have a sensible time frame after each major update, so for example, um, the the initial uh, wireframes of the website, so from a content perspective making sure that the content is being migrated well and also the structure of those pages is you know to a good standard but then also from when the website's going on staging to test all that but as Ian's mentioned quite a few times is that there's so many moving parts and that you need to be able to understand how the value from external backlinks towards the website and making sure that these aren't being blocked there's there's so many moving parts this migration I think that's the the biggest thing is that an SEO needs to understand everything of that existing website that currently has value and being able to transfer that value onto a new website whether it be a new domain or a new url or that content migrating i think once you've got i think speaking to the seo and having a good understanding of what that timeline needs to look like and being able to understand from a development perspective if we have kind of a a chart that displays you know checking dates or specific deadlines to certainly have the seo consideration alongside that in terms of what what is the time frame they need to uh you know test the staging website what is the time frame they need to be you know assessing redirects and things like that i think if you give an seo you know a sensible timeline then yeah that will help you know solve a lot of issues with site migrations i think the issue is that a lot of the time it is kind of a, a last minute kind of effort mm-hmm. and that means that the the SEO or the purpose or the person focused on the migration isn't able to understand all these signals because it's just you know in short it's in a really short uh, short time frame yeah so building on that um i know every migration is is different as we've already established mm-hmm. But you mentioned there a couple of sort of key points that you would like to have have an opinion on in, uh, let's say it's a new website, a new website being built. I know migrations can look different, but in that situation, so I had uh, a recent client who was planning uh, a migration like that, basically ask me what 
what points do we need to update you on? Like, when do we need to get your opinion? And, and this was an existing client. So we had some kind of other work going on for them. And they were basically asking, when is it essential for us to have SEO opinion, like input in this process? And when can we just kind of get on with it and communicate with the developers ourselves? So I'll put that to you guys. In that sort of situation, what milestones would you be like, we definitely need SEO input, we need eyes on this, and we need to have our opinion heard at this point? Yeah, I think from my perspective, I think, you know, initially, even when we're discussing the website, because I think Ian's mentioned here in terms of if they're building a website for improved functionality and they brief that, they brief that into a development team, especially on enterprise websites, we have to understand what that functionality might create across the website. That could mm. ultimately create loads of thin pages and we have to have a consideration of how the internal linking structure looks, the 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 kind of crawler limitation, the indexing limitation, also like things such as like what job, what framework that it may be that they're going on to a JavaScript framework. Do they have sort of side rendering? So initially, you need to be involved at the start in terms of the technology that the the developers would be using. So that would be like the first key is actually having an SEO um, as part of those discussion points, so that when there's there's conversations with the web agency, the development agency, or the internal development team to have, you know, um, just making sure that there's not anything out of scope that the SEO, you know, sees any issues with. Um, yeah. So to me, that's a major discussion point um, initially. Um, I guess from the next point then would be uh, the initial designs. And I guess that's more from a content perspective as well. Yeah. Um, so something that you'd probably like to yeah. look into, Ben, as well, is that when you start looking at kind of the wireframes of, you know, certain pages, whether that be category pages, product pages, or, you know, service pages as well, is having how would that content look on the website? Do we feel like it's mm. structured well for search engines and users? Um, and then, then I think then the next point following that would be the staging website. So once these pages start going live on the templates is for ultimately to see them in, um, to see them actually on the website, but also to see how they're structured. And then once we know that the, the website is starting to be populated on the staging server for us to, you know, go away and crawl this and see if there are any uh, issues with the crawl inside of it, the index inside of it. So, they're kind of the big three points before you even get to, you know, pushing it for a live date. But then we know all of the fun after pushing live is then testing the performance. So I see yeah. it's kind of four core areas, but I, I'd say a lot of the time, the things that get missed is maybe stage one of those initial chats with development teams. Because I feel yeah. like you don't really, if something's already been agreed on, it's really hard to go against it. So I think step one is probably the most important areas that I feel gets missed, which can yeah. lead to stuff that be out, being out, uh, outside of our control. Yeah. Is there I, anything you would I, add? I'd um, cover quite a lot there in terms of where, the, where we definitely miss the opportunities, right? A lot, yeah. of, a lot of times we normally get these site migrations is once the final build is in development, so we don't even get chance to discuss or advise on any kind of like structural benefits. Um, mm. And again, like Ed spoke about earlier regarding opportunities. So things like some new websites may not have even considered like using schema in the past. So we could implement that to sort of like add an opportunity. So getting that in early, mm -hmm. especially if it's like, uh, I don't know, it needs to be added to like things like breadcrumbs and things like that, then... Yeah we would need to of course advise on that quite early on uh -huh. uh, but essentially everything after that uh, normally is typically quite fine for seo like once we go through the launch phase we can then support on like actually the launch day and do a lot of testing mission and site maps to the search engine we can then yeah. do a lot of um, post-launch testing because there's a lot of thing a lot of uh, misconceptions with if you test something on a, on a staging environment, it's going to be and work exactly the same on the live environment. So a lot of um, live environment testing and things like that, we would like to get involved with as well. Yeah, okay, awesome. So a lot of that uh, involves plenty of communication right from the start in an ideal world. Um, so what, what process as SEOs would you recommend um, to try and, I guess, uh, try and keep contact with all parties and try and keep things running as smoothly as possible. Like, how do you handle that kind of communication and project side of things? Yeah, it's almost, I think I would advise having regular catch-up calls, whether it be like sprint calls or a centralized sort of area where different parties can get together 
in a forum and discuss what's going on at the moment. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of the problems that can happen in site migration is everybody goes off and works off in a silo. So the developer mm -hmm. will be like, right, we've got the site now, we're going to go build it. We'll speak to you once it's done. Yeah. Where really what could be happening to almost save and shorten these timelines is they could share different elements of the site with the SEO throughout the process. And we could feedback at different area, different times throughout the build. And we yeah. can like solve a lot of potential issues early on. So they don't have to then go and try and update the website retrospectively. And I think yeah. the best way that we can kind of handle these regular catch-up causes through like a centralized, almost like activity log for everybody. And everyone yeah. has complete visibility on the tasks at hand. And this is not just the relationship between the developer and uh, the SEOs. I think this needs to also happen between like the client as well, because a lot of um, ownership in a site migration does fall upon the client as well, specifically yeah. towards um, definitely changes towards like different content and things like that. They that would not really come under the statement of work for the developer, right? So the, yeah, they would also need to be involved in this as well and sort of like keep discuss timelines and deadlines and ensure that everybody is moving to the same timeline here to achieve that. And I think. Yeah. Um, so you can do this and multiple different agencies use different tools to kind of do this. I mean, you can use typically a Google suite, for example, if you want to do an activity login spreadsheet, or you can get really like interactive sort of tools and applications such as like Trello or teamwork to really centralize all communication and activities all in once. So yeah, that's a way to handle it. Yeah, awesome. I completely agree with um, Ian's point around like the silo and I think um, with migration, I think, shared uh, communication is obviously key and having those regular catch-ups but um I, another thing that i probably want to plug on Ian's behalf is that he's created um a site migration checklist which i think is going to be publicly available if that's right um yes. i think by the time uh, it'll be out <laughs> cool cool um and i think if anyone was to look into that you can see how many considerations there are well how many kind of check checks uh, an SEO would need to go into for a kind of a, um, well, fingers crossed, a successful site migration. So I think um, having that shared ownership of a of that checklist with the development team and also a, a client team or, you know, website owner is a good way to start because I think as like I said, if when this is publicly available, I think a lot of people will get a lot of benefit from it. So I think having all of those checklists and understanding what a developer needs to be focusing on what other teams as well will be focusing on. I think, like I said, I think this will be a good use for that. So I'm plugging that, but I'd highly recommend anyone to be checking that um, that checklist out when it is, well, when the podcast is out, I guess. So do you want to, should we talk about that a little bit more now, Ian, as Ed's just mentioned it there? Um, yeah, sure. It make, makes sense maybe just to go into it a bit more. So um, what was your thinking behind this checklist and, and what are the key things that you've included in it? Yeah, um, we've talked a lot about the multiple different steps and the different considerations that are sort of need to be thought about during a site migration. There's so many intricate, um, <laughs> intricate yeah. details that there's no way one person can memorize everything and do a very thorough job on a site migration by, yeah. by just doing it from a mental capacity. There's always going to be something that you miss. So that's yeah. where the checklist fills in the gaps. It's not meant to be a Bible because all different websites are different. Um, it's meant to be there to assist you really in the auditing process. And okay. it has come up sort of two phases to the checklist. So it has the proactive element. So it's got proactive recommendations for the developer that you can pass to the developer very mm -hmm. early on in the stage that to make them aware of before they even start creating a statement of work of everything that needs to be considered or added as functionality within the new build. So yep. it can be things from like, you need to be able to change headers or change navigation. I'm trying to think of some random things here, but like think about yeah. any element on the page here that you might want to change. It's kind of like listed within this document. So yeah. it needs to be an extension to handle like bulk redirects, for example, like this would all need to be considered within the build. And that is something that's really useful for the developer because they can now look through that list and ensure that it's included in their statement of work and they they ensure that they um, 
budget correctly to ensure that we are able to do this further along in the timeline of the site migration. That's a good point there. I think I was going to say, um, I think a lot of with uh, new site builds, it may be that, you know, as time progresses with the site build, they'll they'll find that a client is requesting extra extra work based on SEO finally feeding in. Whereas actually with the SEO, with this checklist being in place before that is considered, they'll actually be able to, you know, budget for the, the client so that there's no kind of bolt-ons that the client will be kind of shocked about, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, what we're trying to achieve here again is like some shared goals. We want we want this. We both, as a developer and the SEO, want this website, new website, to be successful in launch. And I think uh, we don't want to be perceived as saying that things are wrong or be a threat. We're kind of like we want to work together. So this kind of like proactive recommendations is enabling us to work hopefully together very early on. So that, as Ed says, they don't get tripped up further down the line, down the line where they need to like retrospectively update stuff because of SEOs. Um, we want to make sure that they're aware of that quite early on to help them rather than hinder them. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, it sounds like a really useful resource. I mean, I used it when I was working on the last site migration I did. I know plenty of people here have used it already. Um, so it'll be exciting to see it publicly available. And as Ed's mentioned, I'm sure loads of people are going to get a lot of use out of it in the future. Yeah, definitely. And it really does help for the communication element as well. So when it lists down all the different areas that need to be checked, it has an area for like follow-ups, who's responsible, has it been done? Um, so it's a good kind of like activity log as you're going through the whole process for everyone. So Brilliant. Brilliant. So I think we've we've covered a lot of the uh, sort of communication and project management side of things in these last few questions. So I'll just jump ahead to some of the other questions we've got, which maybe go into the kind of SEO nitty gritty or strategy side of it a little bit more. Um, so first and foremost, I know this is one that I wanted to ask you and then someone else in the team mentioned too. So it clearly is something that comes to mind. Um, but what are some of the common pitfalls of site migrations that you've seen and the things you would highlight to really watch out for because they can catch you out if you're not careful? Okay. Um, well, there's obviously quite a few, but I'll yeah. three, the three most common ones. So <laughs> this one's quite a funny one, but it does happen. Um, yeah. So pushing the staging website live without updating any of the specific directives for the search engine. So honestly, yep. in the environment, you may want to block the crawler. You may want to no index the whole website so it's not accessible. So to eliminate any kind of like duplicate site issues that you may have whilst you're developing the, the staging environment. This has happened more, more than that I'd like to see <laughs> uh, for some agencies, but it, not because of us, but um, it, the developers pushed the staging le website live with basically the robots.txt, disallowing the whole site, yeah. or, or a blanket no index across the whole website. So when you come to do your launch day checks, the first, one of the first things you pick up with is like, oh, right, none of the crawling tools are crawling the website. I wonder yeah. why that is. And then <laughs> it's probably nine times out of 10, one of these two issues. So yeah. that is definitely a common pitfall. Um, if you didn't, include an SEO um, during that time or you weren't there to support on launch day, the next time the crawler revisits that site, it's just going to drop all your pages out of the index. So yeah. imagine what's of that effect that's going to have on your traffic and revenue. Not ideal. <laughs> <laughs> Another one is page speed, actually. So yeah. a lot of um, developers, and including SEOs, actually, so we all use common page speed insights tools and other sort of page speed analysis tools to audit the website. When you audit the website on the staging environment, it can commonly appear good. Um, it normally, it can often appear that the reports and metrics are responding in like the high 90s. You think everything looks really good from a page speed perspective, but that is on the staging environment. You're probably sharing the state server as a staging environment potentially um there it it doesn't have any kind of like the additional scripts and plugins bolted yeah. on staging environment so when you go to put this website live uh, and you add all these tracking scripts and you add all these cro tools that take up so much resources um on top of it then you, when you go to test this page speed in the live environment you're suddenly not appearing very well and that's yeah, okay. you just don't really consider it at that time. So what I would recommend is when you're testing on the staging environment is add all these scripts on top of there. Um, maybe you could even use the live 
web, uh, the live environment in a subdomain to host your staging website. Of course, putting the right directors there so it's not crawled. Um, but then you could actually test it in its actual situation. Uh, so you can actually get correct readings when you're testing for page speed. Yep. And the final one is changing too much at once. So we've kind of covered this a bit already, but uh, when we discussed some of your clients, Ben, but changing yeah. <laughs> the content, the CMS, the actual position in the site structure all at once, yep. prone to too much risk all at once. You really want to do a stage sort of approach. Um, I know that in terms of timelines, that's going to take longer. However, you are mitigating a lot of risk by doing it not all. Mm. And as I recommended previously, I would do uh, the front end and the back end first. So you've got the whole new design and the new CMS. I would then yep. follow that with um, migrating content. So if you want to position that differently on the site structure, you can do that second. And then finally, I would overlap that with um, the domain sort of migration if you were going through that in a three stages. Brilliant. Ed, is there anything you would add there? Any other common pitfalls that you've come across? Uh, in terms of the thing is what I'd always try and highlight is maybe like a really quick task is identifying the most important pages on a website for a client. So identifying yep. the top pages by uh, organic traffic, but also like non-branded uh, keywords that perform really well. And basically assessing that structure of the page and then versus the new structure of the page and feel like if you're restricting it in any way or kind of downgrading it. So from a, not only from a technical aspect, from a content aspect, is there any kind of content being reduced? Is there anything like beneficial that's being taken away? And then I'd even look into the technical aspect of those key pages as well. Is there gonna be like the internal links to that page? Are they gonna be reduced? The, yeah. the anchor text talk point towards that page and also, uh, a battling perspective or you know making sure obviously the redirects I'd, even as a quick task just pick up the you know the 10 most important traffic drivers for the website and assess them uh versus new versus old and understanding if that that reduces because i feel like a lot of the time key pages can be reduced in a way that it no longer contains that valuable information therefore you, you see ranking slip or it may be that mm -hmm a lot of powerful internal links towards that page have been no longer exist and therefore that authority towards the page just doesn't exist as it once did. So I think as a quick task, that's something that I've commonly seen where, yeah, a page gets downgraded and that's normally a really good way to ensure that, uh, you know, you get a stable uh, um, and smooth migration because you're kind of safeguarding a lot of key pages across your website. Excellent. So we're, we're coming towards the end of the time, but we got just a couple of, questions if we can uh, keep them, probably keep the first one a little bit quicker than spend a little bit more time on the second one. Yeah. So as a, as a quick fire question to both of you, um, is there any uh, SEO tools that you find really helpful that if possible, you would recommend anyone use in pretty much any site migration project? Uh, I would go with a good, good investment in terms of crawl software. So Dcrawl is actually really good at assisting in a site migration, both from uh, actual the results in terms of the crawl, like there's a lot of customization options to enable you to remove certain restrictions or overwrite restrictions, such as like robots.txt directors, allows you to test new configurations in that before, um, before actually recommending them. It also ties them up in the cloud in a series so you can then, as you progress through the project and make more and more recommendations and they get resolved, you can see the progress in terms of the reports uh, as mm. they in a timeline. I think that's really good. I think also httpstatus.io, uh, especially regarding domain migrations, there's so many different URL variations that the user potentially could tie in. And a lot of them are overlooked when setting up redirects or re, uh, redirect rules for the whole website. Like you've got HTTPS, HTTP, www, non -dub -dub -dub. And then you've got training slash, non yeah. slash. So it's checking for all those multiple different URL variations um, within HTTP status.io can be give you a quick overview in terms of how they are being handled and give you back the status code relevant for those. So you can identify four or fours, three or twos, et cetera, quite easily. And you can also do that across multiple user agents as well. So whether that be Google Mobile, et cetera. Perfect. That sounds awesome. And Ed, anything to add there? 
Yeah, I was going to mention crawling software, but in order to provide something different, um, <laughs> I would say crawling software is my number one. But um, what I'd also say is um, kind of a link management tool as well. So I'd use, whether we are an on-page podcast, I'd recommend using something like Ahrefs or Majestic, basically to understand where where your links are pointed, where, where your big external backlinks are. So yeah. making sure that you're prioritizing um, pages that they're, well, the, the migration is you know happening smoothly there. So if you have any kind of, it may be that you're aware of a page that has a lot of backlinks to it, and therefore it's not being transitioned to a new website, you're obviously going to lose a lot of uh, value in there as well. But you can also review that potentially post migration, or if you're dealing with a migration that's gone wrong, reviewing the broken backlinks that you know have been essentially missed as well. So I think that's an important yeah. tool that you can use to make sure that from a all external factors that they're being um, migrated over successfully too. Perfect. So that will come come now to our final question. Um, we'll try and keep it fairly brief, but I think it's an important one, so I don't want to skip it. Um, what is the best strategy for recovering if a site migration causes sudden drops in ranking in certain keyword focus areas? And I think this was a question from the team and they've added um, potentially incorrectly implemented redirects could be causing this or you know there, there's a variety of problems that could cause that could cause a sudden drop um how would you go about fixing that i appreciate that's probably a bigger question than i've given you time for but right, <laughs> if fine. we can get the, the brief answer um, the first thing you need to do is to work out why right so yeah. i mean you've given the example there due to incorrectly implemented redirects but essentially you don't know that that's the issue just yet. So the first thing you need to do really is benchmark the launch of the website with either your analytics and your keyword tracking tools. Uh, you can then, uh, once you've got this benchmark, you can then compare the traffic and leads or performance of the website, keyword performance uh, for the period post-launch versus the period pre-launch. And that will help you identify key areas of any potential traffic loss and what kind of URLs have been affected. Um, once you've kind of got that URL data, uh, you can then use that to cross-reference against any previous technical audits or even using Search Console's Inspect URL to identify like what interact with any feedback from the search engine uh, that gives us the issues that help us identify kind of what's the next steps. So yeah. that would be my sort of like short answer in terms of identifying how and what. Yeah. Uh, you can then look at kind of like once you've got the URLs and know what, what the issue is, then you can start to realize what the recommendation and solution is. Yeah. And I guess at that point, the solution is going to be completely varied because it's going to be dependent on whatever the problem is in the first place. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Too too much to go into now if we try and think about every problem. Is there anything you would add there, uh, Ed, to finish? Yeah. I'm very similar, I guess, to Ian's answer. I'd the biggest thing is, I think, is identifying if it's a site-wide drop-off or if it's an individual basis. So yeah. um, very similar to Ian in terms of identifying using uh, tools that you're disposal, so Google Search Console or potentially analytics and see where those drop-offs have happened. It may be that actually, as mentioned before, it could be that one page has dropped, but that was a major traffic driver. So hopefully restoring that value shouldn't be too much of an issue. However, if it feels like a site-wide drop-off where loads of key terms have dropped off, then obviously there's something that's been you know, massively missed um, in terms of the migration phase. So I think it's very similar to that benchmark and identifying if it's a, a few keywords that have dropped off or, or if it's a bigger problem with site-wide. I think identifying that, um, you potentially, it, that'll be um, the difference of either focusing on one or two URLs, or it could be actually this needs to be a site-wide investigation in terms of what's been missed with that migration. Awesome. All right, well, that brings us to the end of the site migration segment. So thank you for that, both of you. There was loads of great stuff in there. Um, Ian, the, the very final question for you on this podcast, um, how can people find you on social media? And uh, I know we've mentioned the checklist already. Is there anything else you want to uh, just mention for people to look out for now? Um, I'll plug my Twitter first then. So you can follow me on either like LinkedIn or connect with me on there or Twitter with the same handle. It's Ian Humph. So Ian H-U-M-P-H. -H. Uh, in regards to plugging any other content, um, well, look out for the new checklist, really. Uh, that'll be coming on the impression site sometime yeah. soon. Um, hopefully before this 
podcast is released. But there is other content out of Britain on the website as well. If you want to go into more detail or technical detail regarding like things like sitemaps, etc., that you can find content on there under my offer. Awesome. Yeah, I think I don't know if we've mentioned it before, but uh, if you're interested in finding uh, what any of our guests have written who are from Impression uh, on the Impression About page, if you click on someone's profile, it will show you the content that they've written. So if you want to find what blogs Ian's been working on, that's the best way to do it. Same for me and Ed uh, and any of the other Impression guests we've had in the last few episodes. Um, but yeah, thank you very much for that, Ian. And thanks for Ed as well. Uh, that's everything we have for this week's Rank Up podcast episode. Uh, we will be back again in two weeks' time uh, when we're actually hoping to have the show's first non-impression guest. Uh, we're really excited to be able to bring different voices from within the SEO industry. I know uh, Ed and I, from the start, have always planned to... We don't just want this to be an impression echo chamber. Uh, as, as uh, You know, there's there are great people here, but we're only a very small pocket of this industry. Um, so we're excited to... Uh, to go outside of impression and speak to some others as well. Um, and in the meantime, uh, as we always say, uh, we would really appreciate it if you could uh, leave a review on the podcast app of your choice or multiple podcast apps if you feel so inclined. Um, we are still a young podcast and all of that really helps us get off the ground and helps other people to find us. Uh, and of course, you can chat to me and Ed uh, on Twitter uh, at Ben J. Gary with two R's and Ed uh, at EdJTW with two Ds. We're both on Twitter. We both have blogs on the Impression website as well. Uh, we're always happy to talk. Uh, and if you can't wait for your next helping of digital marketing content, uh, you can check out the blog that we have referenced many times, impression.co.uk slash blog. Uh, we also have various webinars going on at the moment. Um, we, as we mentioned in the last episode, Ed will, by the time this is live, he will have spoken on... Um, uh, various enterprise SEO topics with Deep Crawl. Um, and also a few of us from Impression are going to be speaking on Tea Time SEO over September and October. And I'll be making my webinar debut uh, in October. So check out for that. Uh, check. I can't speak now. End of the episode. <laughs> Got this far. I'm going to keep going. Plow on. Uh, <laughs> check us out there as well. Tea Time SEO. So I don't bury the lead completely. Um, <laughs> And finally, we also highly recommend checking out womenintechseo.com slash speakers, which is a great way to find uh, other people talking about the kind of topics that we talk about here. Um, so do go and check that out. Uh, we got there in the end, just about. Ian, thank you for your time. Have you enjoyed it? Yeah, I have. It's been great. Thank you for having me. And I'm actually looking forward to the next one. Can't wait to see what coming with. Awesome. We, we promised big things. We've got to deliver now. Up <laughs> to us to arrange it. Uh, Ed, thank you again. As always, you've been a great co-host. Thank you, guys. And uh, we will be back in a couple of weeks with your next installment of On Page Conversation. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.